Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? That was weak, you guys. How is everybody doing? Much better, much better. So I have a confession. A uh, couple guys on our team said every time I pray for the Cowboys, they lose. So my response was, if I'm being honest, guys, it's all out of fear. My prayers are out of fear. I just haven't had faith, so I need you guys to intercede on behalf of the Cowboys. Because I just don't have faith in them. We know the Bible says God's pleased by faith. So I just have tons of fear. It's just not working, so they're giving me a hard time. So I'm not going to say anything, okay? I'm not going to say anything, but I do think they're going to win today. So that's all I'm going to say. No, hey, I'm super excited. For those of you who don't know, my name's Josh. I'm the executive pastor here. I didn't even ask Braden where he was this weekend, but one of the reasons is because I don't have to ask this time of year. Pretty sure I know exactly where he is, and uh, I've never killed a deer, just, uh, just so you guys know. So funny, but I love people who do because I love meat, so I love to eat deer meat and steak, but I'm just not a hunter. It's not who I am, so I feel like people are like walking out right now, I'm like, I'm done, bro. You lost me. No, I'm super excited to speak today, sharing a message that's really kind of been a journey the last few years, um, something I shared with the young adults community last month, and I'm just going to talk about grace today. So how many of you would admit you've had questions just understanding grace, that just uh, maybe you want to go a little bit deeper, maybe you've heard different, different concepts about it, but you're like, you know, I don't know if I've ever actually been on that journey. Well, this message is exactly for you, so... Let, let's dig in. Today, really, the, the thing I want you to leave with is, is simply two things, a healthy definition of grace and the opportunity, the courage, or the encouragement to encounter grace. So one, a healthy definition, healthy perspective or definition of grace, and two, the opportunity, the courage, and the encouragement to encounter grace. So I want to start by reading two scriptures. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll throw them up on the screen. Uh, the first is Ephesians 2. We're going to read verse 8 through 10. And this is the ESV, the English Standard Version. Who's ready? Here we go. So verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So first line again, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Next passage is Romans 3, verse 21 through 24. Have that, let's throw that up. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. There it is again. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Go on. Is that it? That's it. Sorry. Verse 24. So, so let me give you the, through those two scriptures, I want to give you the simplest one-liner definition for what I believe grace is. Grace is the free gift of righteousness. 
So one more time, grace is the free gift of righteousness. And just a little bit of teaching or biblical history to help you guys out if you don't know. The Old Testament, Genesis, the beginning book, Genesis all the way through Malachi is known as the Old Testament and was written, which is written under what is known as the Old Covenant. So there, there, there are two general covenants, or actually like five or six, but for the, for the sake of understanding uh, a broad perspective, there are two general covenants in the Bible, the Old Covenant, which is in the Old Testament, and the New Covenant, which is in the New Testament. And this is what you have to understand. The Old Covenant or the Old Testament was under the law. And, and this is how I would explain the difference between the law and grace as simply as I can think. Under the law, you had to pay to be righteous. And under grace, Jesus actually paid for you. So underneath the law, how, how many of you know God is holy and he's just? He's perfect. We're not. He's holy and he's just. So if a holy and just God and being created us, knowing we're not going to be holy and just, he also had to create this system. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So he had to create this system where there would be a payment for our sin. And in the Old Covenant and underneath the law, they sacrificed animals, and there was a payment, and it was always a blood sacrifice and blood payment so that we could be righteous, which we know means right standing with God. Nothing hindering us, nothing separating us from connecting with God. So a price had to be paid, and under the law, you have to pay it. That's what you see when you read the entire Old Testament. There was a price, and they had to pay it. And actually, a lot of times, the priests would pay it on their behalf, which is interesting because you see some of that in certain cultures today, which is not grace, and it's not the new covenant. But under grace, I don't know if you're thankful for this. Maybe you're learning it and growing in it. Jesus paid it. He paid it once and for all so that you could forever be in right standing. We, we, I shared this last week. For God made him, who we know is Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So the price he paid has made you righteous, not the price you pay. But you, you've got to get this. I see so many people, honestly, this has changed my life. This perspective, I see so many people trying to pay a price for a free gift. This is not the system he created. You know, I, I think one of the reasons we do it is because we all, how many of you have had that friend that it's like, man, you're like, they took me out to eat like three times. They're paying for all my meals. They invited me over to their house to watch a game. But you show up and they're like building a fence. You're like, I thought we were going to watch a game. Like, no, no. Well, I thought we could do both. You're like, no, I came to watch a game, bro, not build a fence. It's like, because we do that, right? It's like, we, we offer gifts, and we help people out because we want something in return. Like, women, wives, I think know that pretty well. It goes both ways, though. You're like, man, my husband has been washing the dishes today. He even did a little bit of laundry. Like, let me just, he's got his eyes on the prize, y'all. He's focused. He's got, he sees the target at the end. It's like, no, he's, he just loves me. Okay, but he wants something, too. But, it, but it's kind of human nature, right? It's like we don't just give freely. We give expecting something in return. But that's why this is an upside-down kingdom. That's why it's backwards. That's why it's hard to grasp. The law requires us to pay, but Jesus paid it for us. 
You are not righteous because of anything you ever do. Now here's the thing. The one thing you do is you do faith. You believe. It is by grace through faith. So what's my job? Your job's faith. Believe in a God that you can't always see. Believe it's actually better than you think. Believe he really did pay a huge price and believe nothing you can do can actually separate you from him. Once you put your faith in him, you know the only reason you can even have faith is because of grace? It is the grace of God and the gift that Jesus gave that even enables you to have faith and to believe. So you can never take credit. Whenever, this is what, this is what I think. The, the way that, when I said that if it's a free gift, then why are we trying to pay for it? To, get, to give some clarity there, I, I think this is what it means. This is what it looks like when we try to pay for a free gift. It looks like living in continual guilt. It looks like living in shame. Well, you did that, so you should be ashamed of yourself. Where's the scripture for that? No. You might have messed up, but you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. You should receive grace. Look, grace is not the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from it. It, it, it. You know, Paul made it clear. So, you know, should we keep on sinning so that grace could abound? No, that's not grace at all. Like, continual sinning is not grace. Continual coming to Jesus to understand who he is in spite of everything you do and all the mistakes you make, that is grace. It's just continually coming to him. This was my life. Like, no one taught me this when I was younger, but it's so funny. I've shared with so many people lately how you can look back as you learn more and more. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back and be like, man, that's, I was encountering the grace of God and I had no clue what it was because no one was talking about it. So I remember a lot of my spiritual journey is I first started living for God when I was in high school to the best of my ability at the time. I was coming out of smoking pot, I start to like, I'm like, should I say it? I'm just going to say it exactly what it was. Bro, I was like doing drugs. Like, I smoke pot. That's what I did. I actually did a lot of it. And, and, and I was living that lifestyle and trying to play sports and doing this and that. But I started going to church. And I stopped smoking pot, stopped doing a couple things. But I, I still had a few issues. And there were things I was looking at I shouldn't have been looking at. And why don't we just call it pornography? Because that's actually what it is. But, but it was living this lifestyle, and I was like, Lord, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to, these relationships, I feel like I'm headed in this direction sexually, and I know it's wrong, so I knew truth, but, but I, was, I was having a hard time connecting with God, because in my head, I'm like, I can't mess up and be in his presence. But I shared this the other day with an organization that I was teaching, and, and I was like, how many of you believe that? And like, most of them raised their hand, and one of my friends who's one of the leaders, he was like, yeah. And I was like, where's the scripture? When you mess up, you can't be in the presence of God. And he actually had a really good scripture, and he quoted it. And I was like, that's awesome. Where's it at? The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, underneath the law. Yeah, you couldn't mess up and be in his presence unless a price was paid. But how many of you know the price has already been paid? So God started talking to me like, like this. Where I remember messing up, doing something I shouldn't do one night, and feeling like afterwards, I was like, man, I really want to talk to God. Like, I really do. Deep down, I really love God, and I really want to connect with God, but I know that I can't because I'd be such a hypocrite. 
And then I heard something in my head say, who told you that? And I was like, oh, this voice sounds a little bit different. I'm not sure who this is. I was like, who told me? And, and then I began to realize this is the voice of God. And he started talking to me. And he's like, who told you that you can't come to me when you mess up? And he began to say, shouldn't that be the safest place? And something began to happen in me as a senior in high school where I was like, it, it, everything didn't change overnight. All my issues didn't go away overnight. But I began to realize there was a God who wanted me to come to him more than he wanted me to fix my issues. Because the only way they can get fixed is if you come. But we think we can't come. And guess what? You're never going to fix it. And you can't do it on your own. It's not your works. We just read that. It's not your effort. It is a gift of God that you have to receive that supernaturally empowers you to live free. But if you don't come to him and you don't know that this is who he is, you will never live free. You might even be a Christian, but you'll never live free. You will not live free unless you receive the gift of grace, which is free. You can't pay for it. Look, the Bible actually says, John 1, 14 through 18, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth is a good one to preach on, but I'm just going to focus on grace right now. But you know the reality is He wasn't talking to me about he never told me to stop because he already knew I knew it was wrong. So he didn't have to hammer. Truth was already in me, actually. So I know, I know there are seasons where people really need truth, and truth is a good thing when it's spoken in love. I knew what I was doing was wrong, so what I needed was not more truth. I actually needed grace. And so the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God is at the Father's side. He has made him known. From his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Jesus is the person of grace and truth. Here's why this is important. Once you understand this, you read that he's the fullness of grace and truth, then you can no longer define grace as an idea or a concept or a theory. It must become personal. It's just like Holy Spirit. The Bible calls Holy Spirit He, because we know the Godhead is one and three and three and one. He's Father, Spirit, and Son. It sounded like a rap song, didn't it? But it's like he's all of them, it, but he's personal. He, he is a person. So when he is full, when it says Jesus is full of grace and truth, then it's giving us the opportunity to go on a journey and understand that grace must become personal. How many of you know, I like to use this illustration that's like, I was even talking to our staff. And, you know, so we have 12, 13 staff in the office uh, throughout the week from time to time. It's about the number. With spouses, it's more. But but obviously, we know each other well. We spend time together. If someone's in the hall talking, I know exactly who it is, even without seeing them. Why? Because I know what their voice sounds like. And then, obviously, when you see them, you know exactly who they are because you have a personal relationship with them. How about, even more so with your spouse. You could walk in Walmart, which none of us like to do, but we all have to do it sometime. I love how Jim Weidman shared last week. He's like, tart, like, 
None of the, ne- the next generation, like you youngsters, you hipsters, you don't go to Walmart, you go to Target. It's like, dang, that's so me. It's like Walmart just makes you feel better about yourself sometimes. That's all I'm going to say. No more, no more comments needed. <laughs> Jesus, help me. I have no idea what I was talking about now. Can't make fun of Walmart. What was I talking about? It was good, right? Do what? Yes. So if you go to Walmart, which most people don't. No, if you go, actually most people do. But if you went to Walmart, you went to a large store, and your spouse was yelling your name, and say there's 300 people in there, even in this room right now with several hundred people, if your spouse yells yells your name or just says something, you will recognize that voice because it's really personal and it's really intimate. This is exactly how it is with God, and this is the whole point. When you know Jesus is the person of grace and truth, grace can no longer be a concept, an idea, or a theory. It has to become personal. I even asked some friends, one of which was my wife, recently before I preached this to the, to the young adult community, I just want to know, like, what, what is grace to you? And I just asked this question, and I think it's a really important question, and there's no wrong answer. I'm just asking to, to evoke interest and to encourage people and to push people towards a deeper understanding of grace, because this is my personal opinion. Most people's definition of grace goes something like this. You know, I was driving down the road, and this jerk cut me off, and I wanted to flip him off, but I didn't. I just extended a little bit of grace. And it's funny, but it's like, it's true. You're like, man, I wanted to kill this person, but I wanted to scream and cuss. I wanted to lose my mind, but I didn't. I just gave them a little bit of grace. And it, it's funny, but it's, it's such a, <laughs> there's nothing wrong. It's just what we've been taught in our limited understanding. That's actually so far from grace. My favorite illustration is I heard a pastor share this years ago, and I use it all the time. But he said, let me, let me explain the difference between mercy and grace. And he said, if you're driving a car and you're speeding, say you're going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, and a cop pulls you over, you know that you've broken the law, and you know that you deserve a ticket, but the cop comes up to you and he doesn't give you a ticket. And let's say he just gives you a warning. Then you're like, man, that's amazing. And most of our definitions are like, he just extended grace. But that's actually mercy. So mercy is withholding something from someone that they do deserve. So it's the middle finger coming back down. Grace is sticking it. No, I'm just kidding. So it's withholding something from someone that they do deserve, like punishment. So you should have gotten a ticket. You knew you broke the law. But you didn't get the ticket, so mercy was extending by withholding the punishment from you. Do you know what grace says? Here's a thousand bucks. What? Hang on. No, 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 no. I broke the law. Yeah, I know. You messed up. Yeah, yeah, but like, so I broke the law, and this is what I deserve. But not only do you not get the punishment you do deserve, you get the blessing that you don't. So I, I was speeding, and, and the cop gave me a 1000 bucks. This seems radical, right? Do you know it doesn't even scratch the surface of what grace truly is? It is so radical. The mercy of God is that he went to the cross, and he paid the price, and he shed the blood 
because the wages of sin is death. A holy God has to have a holy, just system, and there must be punishment for wrong. But he put it on Jesus. That is the mercy of God. But grace is that he was resurrected, and he's seated in heavenly places, and you're inside him, and he's inside you. Every resource that you need in your life to be successful and live in this kingdom is inside of you because of grace. It is so radical. We have, we have got to go deeper on this journey. If grace is a person, it's got to become personal. I firmly believe this. It's something we talk about a lot, and it is kind of a Christian buzzword the last five years, but I still think the understanding as a whole in the Christian church is very limited. And I think most Christians are living their life trying to pay for something Jesus paid for. I see it all the time. You know, let, let, me, let me just add this in. I, I do believe, you know, actually a lady here, and she may not even remember, I remember her saying this. I firmly believe, even one of our staff shared this recently, that's like there is just something healthy, healthy in being like, God, please forgive me. <laughs> I messed up. It, there is a healthy uh, approach to your relationship with God where, where you just, how many of you know if you mess up and say something you shouldn't say to your wife, it's healthy that you apologize? or your wife to your husband, or to anybody, it's healthy to apologize and to confess. But can I just tell you something? The Bible says that we should conf if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If your confessing doesn't lead to cleansing, you're not confessing to God. Maybe a form, maybe a form of God, maybe an understanding of God. But if your confessing leads to guilt, the author of guilt is not Jesus. I know this. So many people live their life confessing. They believe in a principle, but they don't have a, a, a healthy understanding of grace. So their confessing is not leading to cleansing. It's leading to more dirt. And that's the cycle that perpetuates that sin in the first place. Do you know that the Bible says encourage one another daily so that your hearts don't become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? What if encouragement is the radical thing that you need to live free from sin? But it's just like, no, no, no. They need to understand how wrong this is. Well, I think they need to understand how right it is what Jesus paid on the cross. And when you receive that, the encouragement and the grace that washes over you, you know that Jesus said, husbands, you're supposed to love your wives as I love the church. And we've all preached this and we know this is true too, that he laid his life down for the church. But you know what it also says? That he washed the church with the water of his word. He's constantly speaking in a way that is cleansing the Lord told me that the other day. I'll be the first one to confess because I'm not Jesus. And he was like, your words are not cleansing your wife. But it, it was. It's like we have an amazing relationship. But he even told me, he's like, you know, and I'm saying this to help you. It is harder sometimes with a person you care about the most and you have the most intimate relationship with. Guess what you see a lot of the time? The bad because we have some of that, if not a lot. 
We have flaws. We have insecurities. We have shortcomings. And so your heart is like you want, you want them to be healthy and to grow and have a good relationship. But you go about it by pointing out all these issues. And guess what you're doing? Not washing. You're doing the opposite. But it's like grace comes in and just begins to speak and see the gold in you and call that out. That is the church that Jesus is coming back for. And I know that this revelation is, is one of the key revelations that we have to get for Jesus to come back. It's, it really is that big. It's that big of a deal. He's not coming back for a church with spots or wrinkle. That is the church we see today because people don't have a full understanding of grace. Grace comes in and cleanses us no matter where we're at and what we do. The person of grace will change your life. So I ask that question to my wife and a few other people and some of our staff, what is grace to you? And they had some really good answers and definitions and they were just sharing like, you know, I think grace is like that our, that we, our sins have been washed away. I'm like, that's amazing. Someone else is like, it's everything. It's like, it's an encounter. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. Like with what? Like what does it feel like? What is, what's the encounter like? I'm asking this question and even my wife, she, I asked her if I could share this story because it's so powerful. And I asked her and I was like, yeah, so would you say you encountered grace? And she's like, well, do, does it have to be an encounter? And she's just being honest. She's just processing. You know, my wife's much more literal, black and white. I'm kind of the gray guy that people sometimes are like, what are you talking about? That's probably half of you right now. But so, um, so I ask her, and she's like, well, does it have to be an encounter? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Well, I'm just asking. Like, I want to know. You know, you just be honest. Be as honest as you can. And she's like, well, I don't, I don't know if it has to be an encounter. And then I said, well, okay, if you want the honest truth, it absolutely does. If grace, we know that Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth like we just learned in Scripture, then we know grace is a person. And if he's a person, it must become personable. And in order for it to become personable, it must be through experience and through encounter. It, it, it cannot be limited to a theory or a concept. If you can define grace without describing the person of Jesus, that is a very limited definition. So I told her, and I was like, look, this is what God wants to do, because I was looking back in my own life, like I said, senior year in high school, the voices said, hey, just come to me. You're like, do you want me to stop? Like, like you know you're supposed to stop, but I want you to come. So he, ne he never, this sounds crazy, I get it. He was not addressing the issue because he knew I knew it was an issue. He was just trying to get me to come and tell me to come. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a voice of grace. And I had this vision that I've shared through Coldplay, which Jesus speaks, you guys, through all kinds of things. I was listening to the Coldplay song, Fix You, and I just start crying. I'm like, what the flip is going on? And I saw this picture of like sitting in a room where, where I used to do drugs and like passing around a joint with friends years ago. And I just saw the Lord's hand held out like I wanted to take that. And I'm like, you're not even mad. Like, I remember seeing his face in this vision, and he was just like, I'm here. Like, I've just wanted you to know I would have taken it any time. Because how many of you know we address the issue, and the issue is hardly ever the actual issue? It's like, oh, they're dealing with porn. Oh, they're dealing with drugs. You know what's under the root of that? Insecurity. The Lord could have taken my joint, but if it didn't take my insecurity, it wouldn't have helped would have done something else to fulfill to fill that void he's so less concerned with your issue than he is internally what's going on inside of you 
Because he knows it'll just be another issue. That's why he's not hammering down the issue like we do. You see this issue? You should look at this issue. You should focus on this issue. Do you even know about this issue? Jesus is like, hey, I paid a huge price. Remember when I hung on the cross? That was a big deal. So that you could live in the fullness. We have received grace upon grace from his fullness. How many of you know you're not always full? You need to know someone who is. Sometimes that's what community's about. Other people carry things you need. But from his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. Can I just tell you, we talked about the law, and there is a difference. The law, you have to pay the price. Under grace, he paid the price. But can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't change. God doesn't change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His, his, but the new covenant is better. He just has a different covenant with us. But God has been the God of grace from day one. Well, prove it to me. The Old Testament's crazy. It is a little bit crazy. It's a little bit different because we've never lived underneath that covenant. But did you know that it was the grace of God from the very beginning? Do you know there's a city known as Sodom and Gomorrah when Abraham and Lot were living? And it was this wild city with sin just savaging through this city. And God looks down and he's like, you know, I'm going to go visit and see how, how bad the sin is. Like he couldn't tell from God. Just amazing. <laughs> Funny sometimes. But it's like, he's like, I'm going to go down. Why was he even doing that? To give us a chance to live by grace. Anyways, so he's like, I'm going to go down and I'm going to go visit this city and I'm going to see how bad it is. And then Abraham's like, hey, hey um. he's like, oh, some of my people. So sorry, first of all, he's like, but um, so God, would you really kill that whole city if there were 50 righteous? God's like, no. He's like, okay, well, like, what about like five more, five less, like 45? God's like, no, I won't kill it if there are 45. What about 40? He just keeps going down the line. It's like they're playing tennis, 45, 40, 30, like advantage, deuces. He's like, it's like there, he goes down the list, 50, 45, 40, 30, then he goes 20. Then he's like, what about 10? And that's where it stops. Why? Because it was never about the number. It was about someone standing in the gap representing grace, which is Jesus. No, 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 no. Do you know, it, it, Noah and the ark, what do you think the flood was if not the grace of God protecting his people? You've got to see this. Even if it was a different covenant, it was still the grace of God that is littered through. It is the story of this book in entirety. It is the grace of God the whole time. If he wouldn't have wiped out the people, they probably would have wiped out the righteous. Sounds like grace that saved them. The ark was the grace of God. What about Daniel and the lion's den? How did he survive that if not the grace of God? Grace is fa favor and operational power. There was a favor on his life that nothing could take him out too soon. What about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire? They said, we're not going to bow down and worship you, King Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to do it. They said, our God will save us. But they're like, honestly, even if he doesn't, I don't care. I'm not going to worship you. They're thrown into the fire, and the fire is so hot, it kills the officers who threw them in. Yet they're standing right in the middle of it, and people look down, and they say, how come there's four? We threw in three. One of them looks like the Son of God. 
hang on, was this the law that grace was manifesting in the whole time? But if we don't see Jesus and we don't understand the person of grace is the same person as the Father who started this whole thing and created Jesus, we will miss grace throughout this whole thing. You know, I was, I was studying this a couple months ago, and I was like, I believe this firmly, that his grace, when it says we've, it, out of his fullness, we've received grace upon grace, I feel like God is saying, hey, it's always been grace. Now it's just more, and then it's going to be more, and after that, it's just going to be more and more. It's been grace the whole time. And I was processing this, and I was thinking about the Old Testament, and you know, a lot, a lot of what I've I've been teaching and the scriptures I'm reading are in the New Testament. So it's a different word used for grace there where we get unmerited favor and operational power. But in the Old Testament, it's a different word and I studied it and I looked at it and the word in Hebrew means this. They begin to paint this picture when you read, excuse me, when you read the definitions, it paints this picture and it illustrates that in the ancient times when they would travel, they lived in tents. They didn't have houses like we had. And when they would travel, they would set up camp by using their tents. So when God told Abraham, hey, go, head this way, this is where you're going to go, or you're going to conquer this land, and different leaders, and he told them to go, they would take their tribe, their community, and they would set up tents. And there is a picture of the word grace, and it is defined by these tents being this outer circle around all the other tents protecting the inner circle. And I was like, man, it's grace. And I, I, I was reading this exactly when the flood was happening in Houston. And I, as soon as I read that, I thought of this picture that I want to show you guys in just a second. There's this guy in southeast Texas near Houston that many of you have seen. He's been on the news now. But when, the, when, when they heard about the floods, he prepared before the floods came and he bought this product known as the Aqua Dam. And this was an inflatable dam that took hours to inflate and fill up to surround his entire property, his house and his yard, um, probably like a couple acres, just surrounded the whole thing. And when the floods came, it didn't even touch his property. So check out this picture. Do you know what people said? When he was doing this, when he was buying this, people were like, dude, you're an idiot. They're like, you're crazy. You're an idiot to think that's going to work. That is a picture of the grace of God. That is exactly what the grace of God will do. It will be a wall around your life protecting you from the floods of the enemy and the world. You have to get this. This is what the grace of God wants to do. So when you live in guilt, you don't have a wall. When you live in shame and condemnation, and you're allowing your mistakes to speak louder than the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you don't know grace. Look, I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. It, it, you have to go on a deeper journey to understand the grace of God that is favor and power, but it is a wall that will surround you for the rest of your life, keeping the attacks of the enemy and the world from even touching you. So, so people have so many inward issues. Like I said, the issue is not the issue. It's like porn and drugs and addictions and 
gossip and all, all these things that manifest because we haven't allowed the grace of God to go in deep and surround us, pushing away all those lies. But the grace of God wants to surround you this morning and protect you from everything the enemy has and everything he's trying to push your way and everything the world is trying to push at you because God wants you to go on a deeper journey and have a healthy definition of grace, but he doesn't want it to stop there. He also wants you to have the courage and the encouragement to go on a journey and say, it's got to become personal, and now I have to encounter this person, the person of grace. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.